in our communities, in our families. Thank you that you are our prize. May you give us grace. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, so uh, we are today, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, if you have a Bible, Ephesians chapter 6, and we are wrapping up um, our series Recalibrate. Um, In the last three weeks, we've talked about marriage, work, and parenting, and today we're going to talk about how do we recalibrate our faith um, here in 2024, and so that's where we're doing today. Um, and let me just—I just want to just do this quick plug, though, for next week, though. So next week we kick off a brand new series um, called "We Can't Stay Here." Um, and, and basically, what what this is going to be is we want to just lay before you the mission, vision, and values of Grace Hills, and invite you to participate and be a part of it. And so that's where we're going uh, beginning next week. And so I hope you'll um, be a part of that. Um, it, it's going to be really important for, for, for you to be here so you can hear um, all that God is doing. Um, and so I hope you'll come and be a part of that beginning next week. Um, do we have any uh, video game people in the room? Video gamers, right? Yeah, some of you. Okay. Any of you are like, what's a video game? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we, this year for Christmas, um, we, we decided as parents to venture into the video game world with our kids for the first time, and we got them a Nintendo Switch. Um, and, and I just want to tell you that, that video games have come a long way uh, since I was a kid. Uh, like, like there is, um, there's this incredible new feature. Like, kids, I don't think you realize um, how blessed you are um, with the, the technology that you have and the video game systems that you have. Because um, if anybody remembers, this is what I started off playing. Right, 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 original Nintendo. Anybody? Anybody there? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, kids, this is what was our video game system back in the 90s and, and maybe 80s for some of you or whenever that came out. But, um, and, and so... And, and so there, there was this incredible new feature on video games, and it's called, it's called and here's what basically what you can do. You, you can be in the middle of a game, you can pause it nowadays, and you can actually save your progress, and then come back hours later and pick up right where you left off. Now... If you ever played one of these guys, you know that that was not possible. Um, that was not possible back in the day. Um, and technology has come a long way since the 1900s. Um, if that doesn't make you feel old saying that, then there you go. Technology has come a long way since the 1900s. Um, and so, kids, here's what would happen back in the day, okay? I would be playing a game, and I would be killing it. It'd be like... Like, I, 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 I'd entered the right cheat code to Contra, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start, right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, that's good. All right. So it's a cheat code. Get you a lot of lives. Um, and, and I would be killing it at this game. And then, sure enough, my mom would call me in for supper. Or we, she'd have to go run an errand, and, and I would have to push pause on my game. And I didn't want to lose the progress, so, so I would just leave it paused, and I would maybe turn the TV off, or I'd leave the TV on, whatever the case would be, and I would just leave it there for hours and hours at a time. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you understand this, but these games were not meant to be left on for hours at a time, or left on all night long um, while on pause. 
These games were, were not meant to do that. So, so, when, so what would happen is the game would begin to actually overheat a little bit and warp uh, a little bit. And so, like all brilliant people, we knew the clearest way to fix that, right, um, was to take that cartridge, right, because you'd actually put those cartridges in, and they're not the little ones, guys. They, they were like, they're like the size of a book. Um, and, and, and you would actually take that cartridge, and, and the best way to fix it was to blow hot air and saliva all over it. Right? Like you're like, because clearly that's what the problem is. And so we would do that or, or we would hit, put it in there and we'd actually hit it real hard a few times because all technology responds well to brute force. And we would reset it several times uh, trying to get it to work and, and come together. And, and at the end of the day though, this video games, right, like, like Nintendo, like it was, it was never meant to be left on pause. It was never meant to be left on pause. And I, I, I don't know what, what you come into the room today, but, but here's, here's my fear. My fear is that many of us in the room have placed our faith on pause. And our faith was never designed to be on pause. Maybe, maybe for you it started, started when you got married, maybe when you had kids and life just got real busy and you got out, you got out of the habit of spending time in the Word, you got out of the habit of, of coming to church and gathering the body. Maybe it was during COVID, right? Like when we just couldn't gather for a season and, and you just got out of the habit and you put your faith on pause. Maybe not even intentionally, but that's where you find yourself today. Your faith has been on pause for a little bit now. And because of that, your, your, your view and your understanding and your relationship with Jesus isn't functioning the way you hoped it would function. And so, so what I want us to do today is, is I want to help us to recalibrate our faith. I want to help us take it off pause and get back to where we, we want to be and where we need to be. Is anybody, let me ask you this, it, is, everybody, is there anybody in the room that would say, hey, I want to know Jesus more? Anybody in the room want to know Jesus more? Yeah, right? We, I think we all want to know Jesus more. And we have to take our faith off pause if we are going to know Jesus, Jesus more. And so here's what I can tell you. I want to give you four things today. And none of it requires me blowing hot air or saliva at you, I promise. And how you can, four things I, I think Paul wants us to remember as we recalibrate our faith today in Ephesians chapter 6. So, let me read the passage. I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in. So, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Paul begins with this. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of, unse of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. 
Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that, that we get to just gather today and, and talk, about, talk about your word. But, but I thank you that in, it's in your word, not in my words, not in, not in anything else, but it is in your word that you reveal who you are to us and we can know you intimately through your word. And so I pray, Lord, that we would not approach your word this morning as, as, as a place to gain knowledge and information about you, but as a, as a source to know you intimately today. I pray, Lord, that, that the hearts of the men and women and children in this room would be turned towards you because of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would not walk out of this room the same as we came in today. I pray, Lord, that for every single person in this room that has maybe put their faith on pause for this season, I pray, Lord, that today that they would recalibrate it and set it back on you. So, Jesus, we need you today. Work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so Paul begins here with a final word, right? Like if you have been tracking with us since October, we've been walking through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus since October. So when he says a final word, you're like, thank goodness, I'm tired of this one, right? Um, and so he says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And here's what Paul is doing here. Okay? Here's what Paul is reminding them because he has spent, this is a, he has spent the, last six, the last six chapters up to this point reminding the church in Ephesus of the gospel. I mean, I mean, really, you can look at chapters 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and you get gospel, gospel, gospel. And then you get 4, 5, and 6, and really, 4, 5, and 6 are how do you live the gospel? How does this apply to your life? How does this apply to your marriage? How does this affect your parenting? How does this affect your work? And the gospel is the central idea throughout this letter. And so Paul, once again, is reminding us as followers of Jesus that we can't move past the gospel. That the good news of Jesus is the source of our hope and our life. That the good news of Jesus is the foundation on which we, our lives are built on as followers of Jesus. That this is our identity, that this is our hope, that we cannot move past it. That we must stand firm in the gospel. And so if, and just, to, just to bring clarity here for anyone that may not understand what I mean when I say gospel. The gospel literally translates good news just translates good news. And so when we talk about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, here's what we mean by that. 
then this is what Paul has spent so much time in the letter unpacking for us. This is the idea that you and I, every single person who has ever lived, has sinned against God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That every single one of us have at one time or another thought our way was better than God's. We have belittled the name of God because we think that our way is better than his way. Every single one of us have done that. Every single person has fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are guilty of sin. Every single person. And Romans chapter 3, verse 12 says, There's none righteous, no, not even one. And this describes us all. This is who we are because of our sin. We are separated from the goodness and glory of God. But God loved you and me so much. We just saying how he loves He loved us so much that he didn't want to leave us separated from him. And so what did he do? He responded by sending his one and only son, Jesus. Jesus came to this earth and he lived a sinless, perfect life that you and I could never live. But Jesus, at the end of his life, didn't get what he deserved. No, he got got the cross. He He was crucified for you and for me. He was killed. He absorbed the wrath of God onto himself so that you and I could receive the blessing of God. So that we could could, could be reconciled to right relationship with God. That this is the the good news. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, putting a seal, a final seal on what he accomplished on the cross. He put a seal on what he accomplished on the cross the cross through his resurrection. And now, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, that he who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That he took the punishment of our sin onto himself so that we could receive the blessing of his righteousness. And so now, for every single person who would put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus alone for salvation, not because you're a good person, not because you, you, you go to church, not because you read your Bible, not because you pray on occasion, not because you helped an old lady cross the street, not because of any good thing you've done or not because of any bad thing you've done, but because of Jesus' work on the cross alone, we can now be reconciled to right relationship with God. This is our hope. This is what makes us Christian. Being a Christian doesn't mean, isn't just about going to church, even though we want to be do that. Being a Christian is about putting our faith in Jesus alone. And this is what we must remember. This is Paul's first reminder to us here. We must remember the source of our faith. We must remember the source of our faith. That it is the source of our faith that we can never move on from. That this is the foundation to what we hold fast to. That if we can't recalibrate our faith if we never had faith to begin with. And so here's what I want to do. And this is a little weird and a little abnormal from what we would normally do, but, but here's what I want to do. That, that, that I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes right here in the middle of my message. i got three more points, so we're coming back, so don't, don't think we're done. But, but everybody in the room, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And here's what I want to do. There's, I, I believe in a room this size that there are men and women and children That maybe your hope for salvation, your hope for eternity, your hope for for God's favor has been in what you have done. 
It's been about you being a good person. And, and I just want to just give you an opportunity today to respond to the truth of God's word, to the truth of the gospel, and say, I want to be saved. And so here's what you can do with every head bowed and every eye closed. Right where you sit, you can pray something like this. You can say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. Will you forgive me? Jesus, I want to be saved by you today. I don't want to rely on, on what I've done. I don't want to rely on, on anything that I could do or, or, or that I didn't do. I want to trust that I can have salvation through you alone today. And right there where you sit, you can pray and ask Jesus to save you. And I believe that that prayer of faith, it's not about the word you pray, it's about the heart of faith behind it. And if you pray that prayer right there today, you can have salvation. Salvation is yours. And so if that's you today, here's what I want to do. If you, if you prayed that with nobody looking around but me, and you prayed to receive Christ, you prayed to put your faith in Jesus just now, with nobody looking around, would you just look up at me? Just make eye contact with me. I see, yeah, I see your eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Here's what, here's what being my encouragement to you. Before you leave today, before you leave today, I want you to have a conversation with someone and tell them, hey, I, I put my faith in Jesus today. And we want to we help you understand more about what that means. We want to help you uh, see what your next step is. But let me just tell you that that is the greatest decision you could ever make today. Awesome. You can look up again. I'm going to keep going. So, um, Kids, you're doing great, by the way. Um, so, so here we go. Let's keep going. So we have to remember who the source of our faith. We have to remember the source of our faith. Look with me here in verse 11 and 12. Here's the other part. If we're going to recalibrate our faith, um, it, this is something that's really important for us to do. Verse 11 says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. If we're going to recalibrate our faith, we have to remember who the real enemy is. We have to remember who the real enemy is this, this year. We have to remember who the real enemy is. I think that one of, I think one of the, the greatest hang-ups for some of us, and the reason so many, I think, people put their faith on pause, that so many of us do that is because life is hard. Life is challenging. Life is, doesn't always go the way we wanted it to go. And so, so when, when life gets hard, what we want to do is we want to put our faith on pause. But we also, we get our eyes off of who the real enemy is. Because when, when, our, when our marriage is hard, we want to blame our spouse. When our, when our home life is difficult, we want to blame our kids. When our kids, you want to blame your parents, right? Like when our work is hard, we want to blame our coworkers or we want to blame our boss. And we want to get our eyes off of who the real enemy is. And I just want to remind us today, we have to remember who the real enemy is. And there is no person on this planet that is our enemy that our enemy is Satan himself. 
Like we are going in, we are going into a political, hostile environment this year. And I just want to be, can I, can I just be honest with you? I think Christians in America, we failed in the last election cycle four years ago. I think we, we failed. We failed to represent Christ well. Listen, here's the thing. I don't care who you vote for. I, I don't care what political party you align yourself with. Because ultimately, we are Christians first. And there is no politician and there is no political party that They are not the enemy. Our enemy is the one who rules the prince of power of the air, who has the, 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 he is the, the ruler's authorities, the unseen world. And so here's the thing. If somebody in your life, if their point of view on things, their values, the way they carry themselves, the things they think, the ideas they hold to, if they are so contrary to yours, let me tell you something, that they are not your enemy. They are captive to the one true enemy. And we are to move towards them in grace and love and kindness and point them to the person of Jesus. That's what we do. That that if we're going to recalibrate our faith, we have to remember who the real enemy is. And it is not other people. They are captives to the one true enemy. So let's move towards people in love this year. Let's be, here's here's just a novel idea. Let's be kind. Let's not argue dumb stuff on Facebook. Just going to tell you you're not going to convince anyone. They don't care. But if you look how you can serve them, how you can care for them, can you invite them over for dinner? Can you take them a meal when they're going through something? Watch their kids, help them in some way, form or fashion, that people are not the enemy. We have to move towards people with grace and love and kindness this year. If we're going to recalibrate our faith, this is where it begins. And I just, like, like one of the greatest strategies of the enemy one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is, is, is he is going to try and get you to be busy this year. Busy and caught up in your own stuff. So much so that you don't notice and you don't, you, you don't pay attention to what, how you can be serving those around you. How you can be caring for those around you. But you have an enemy who is very clever and he's out to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. And if he can't destroy your faith, he's going to try and get you to settle for a mediocre version of it. And your faith was never meant to be mediocre. There's this quote I read when I was in, in high school from a book called uh, The Barbarian Way. And, and, and there's this, uh, I wish I would have put it up there. It's, just, it's not in my notes, so you're getting this for free today. Um, but Erwin um, but McManus, the, the author of this book, he, he talks about how our, our faith was never meant to be domesticated. How, how we are not, our faith is not supposed to be like a tiger in a zoo that, that, that other people can look at from a safe distance. But our faith is meant to be wild and free and running so that others can experience the goodness of Jesus in our life. So we've got to remember who the real enemy is this year, and we have to be on guard against this. And then he gets into here verses 13 through 17, and he's going to get more, uh, more practical. He's going to use some, some, some things that were really common, 
some things that were really common in, uh, in, in, in the, the, the city of Ephesus during this day. Um, Roman soldiers occupied, they were everywhere. And so these, these, these this armor um, uh, metaphor that he's using here um, is, is common things that people of Ephesus would have seen every day. These are things that they would have experienced in a day-to-day basis. In a day-to-day basis. And so, and so we have to remember this year. We have to, if we're going to recalibrate it, we have to remember that we can stand firm in our faith. That we can stand firm in our faith. And here is why we have to stand firm in our faith. We can stand firm in our faith because God has given us everything we need. He has equipped us with everything we need to stand firm in our faith. He's given us it all. No no matter how hard life gets, no matter how chaotic life gets, no matter what we may experience and go through, that God has given us everything we need in Christ. He is, uh, we talked about it in Ephesians chapter 1, that he has, give, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That this is the, the, the reality of, of this, that he has given us everything we need so that we can stand firm no matter how clever the strategies of the enemy are. So here's how we stand firm. He starts with the belt of truth. He starts with the belt of truth. He says, verse 14, he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Putting on the belt of truth. And so how do we, uh, what is the belt of truth? Well, we stand firm in our faith against the schemes of the enemy when we stand firm in the truth of the gospel. When we remind ourselves and we are reminded over and over and over again of the grace that has been afforded to us through the cross. That when, when we are constantly coming back to the truth of the gospel, that we can stand firm. This is the belt of truth. This is what we hold, uh, holds us together. The belt of truth. The gospel. We have to stand firm in the truth of the gospel. That we become so fully convinced of the gospel and it's and it's blessing in our lives that it begins to affect every single area of our life. And we come back to it because here's what I know. I know that we are prone to wonder. I know that we are prone to drift away from the gospel. We are prone, for me, I, I am prone towards legalism. Like, like, that, like that, I am prone towards, towards I, okay, I gotta follow this list of rules in order for God to be happy with me. I, I am prone to drift that way, and yet that is not what the truth of the gospel is, so I need to be reminded of it every single day. I need to stand firm in the gospel so that I don't drift that way, but rather I come back to the grace that has been given to me through the cross, that God isn't pleased with me because I'm a good person. He's pleased with me because of what Christ has done. Christ's righteousness now sits on me, and so now I can stand firm in my faith because I remember the gospel. And this is the belt of truth. Second thing he says here is we need to put on, we need to put on the body armor, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. It is in Christ we are righteous. In Christ we are righteous. One, was it, one of the strategies of the enemy is to accuse us. He wants to remind us of all the ways that we have failed to follow Jesus. He wants to come back to that over and over again. He wants to say, hey, do you, do, hey, you remember last year when you did whatever? You, 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 you remember that one time that you, you did 
that but we put on the breastplate of righteousness because it reminds us that we have Christ's righteousness and that God is, God is pleased with us because of him, not because of us, not because of us. Like, listen, listen, we, we, we know, listen, if you are ever hearing whispers of accusations, let me tell you what, that is not from God because there's one accuser and his name is Satan. That our God is not an accuser, he's an advocate. And he is, Jesus is advocating for you to the Father. This Romans 8 teaches us that. That, that, that he is interceding on your behalf and on my behalf for, to, to the Father. That he is in between, he is our mediator. And he is the go-between. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness. When we don't listen to the accusations of the enemy and we stand firm in this new reality that is ours in Christ Jesus. Next, we put on the shoes of peace. We put on the shoes of peace. And, he, and here's what the shoes of peace are. Okay, the, the shoes of peace is us taking the good news that peace is now possible between us and God through Jesus. This is us going with the gospel to every man, woman, and child that we can find and telling them the good news of Jesus. That, hey, now you can be reconciled with God. Now you can have peace with God. Now you can experience his peace. That you can experience his peace. That we can, we can see that the men and women that God has placed in our lives through our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our, 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 wherever God, the circle of influence God has placed you, he's placed you there to go with the good news of peace, to take, to put on your shoes of peace, and you take this message to those who don't yet know. To those who don't yet know. And he says, pick up the shield of faith. And this is, this is important here, the shield of faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the guarantee of things to come. It's the assurance of things hoped for and it's the uh, and it's uh, the assurance of things hoped for and the guarantee of things to come. That the, the, our faith, we hold up the shield of faith because it is our faith in Jesus that reflects the schemes of the enemy, that, fleck, reflect, that deflects the fiery darts. And here's what I love about this. Um, your shield is stronger together. Your shields are stronger together. Anybody seen the movie 300? Okay, I'm just... Once again, I don't recommend it, but I enjoy it, okay? Um, so, great battle scenes. Anyway, but, but I love the story, right? That a small group of 300 Spartan soldiers can withstand the entire onslaught of the armies of Persia. And one of their strengths was their shields together. That when they're standing side by side and they're holding up their shields together that they are able to repel the enemy. Let me just tell you that your shield was never meant to be held up in isolation. Your shield has always been meant to be held up in community. This is one of the reasons we are making such a big deal about, hey, you need to be in a group. You, you, you need brothers and sisters in Christ to fight the good fight with you. That you are not meant to walk this life of faith alone. That you need others. So there's a table in the back. Sign up for a group afterwards, right? Um, 
But seriously, sign up for a group. Um, but, but we hold up the shield of faith. And we need others to, to stand beside us. Because the enemy, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. You need other people. Then the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is this reality that, that we have a new identity in Jesus. That, that, the, 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 that the old has gone, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that the old is gone, that we are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. That we have been given new identity in him. And this is what we put on as the helmet of salvation. This reminder of our new identity in Jesus. That we have been delivered from the supernatural enemies on the basis of our union with the resurrected and exalted Lord Jesus. And then lastly, we pick up the sword, the sword of the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me tell you what, that, that, that we always want to be proclaiming the word of God. Like, like this is the living word of God. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning, it, it was the word, it was Jesus. Jesus is the living word of God. And so, so listen, here's the interesting thing, okay? So, so uh, in America, we typically approach God's word as a place to get information and knowledge about God or about faith or about how to live our lives. But most of the rest of the world does not approach God's word that way. They approach it as a relationship, as an intimacy with Jesus. That this is not primarily a book of knowledge about God. Listen, your knowledge will not save you. I don't care how much you know about God in the Bible. That will never save you. It's a relationship that saves you. And so we must come back to the word so that we can know God and really know him. And this is a 30,000 foot view of the armor of God. And how we can stand firm in our faith. And then lastly... Verse 18, here's what Paul says. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray for me too. Ask God get to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Listen, if we're going to recalibrate our faith, we have to remember the power of prayer. We have to remember the power of prayer. And here's why we have to remember the power of prayer. Paul is in prison. He is in chains. And his prayer is not for comfort it's not for safety. It's not security. It's not for him to be able to escape. His prayer is that he would continue to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous life. That he would boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus. That this is what Paul wants them to pray for him about. How's, when's the last time that you prayed for boldness with the gospel? 
When's the last time you prayed that, that for, for courage to take the good news of Jesus to those who haven't heard? And, and, then, and then couple that with when's the last time you prayed for comfort, security, a, a situation to be fixed in your life? And I'm not saying we can't pray for those things, but I, but I am saying I think it's an important thing for us to get here and understand that it, we must remember the power of prayer. The power of prayer. That, that, that this is really, I think, the foundation of all the rest of this armor of God. That it, it is the power of prayer in our lives to draw us deeper into relationship with Jesus. Like, like you look throughout scripture, what God was able to do throughout history of what God has done when his people who are called by his name humble themselves and pray and cry out to God. Like it is, it is the cry of the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 2 that, that God actually hears their cry and begins to orchestrate and work on their behalf to relieve them and save them from slavery. It's when God's people pray that Peter is miraculously released from prison. It's when God's people pray that 3,000 souls are saved on Pentecost. It's when God's people pray that lives are changed and transformed. It's when God's people pray that we are drawn deeper and deeper into relationship with our God, that there is power in prayer, and I don't know that we actually believe that. Because we pray and we ask God for the most generic things. God, please help me to have a good day. Well, what does that actually mean? What do you mean by that? When is the last time you specifically asked God to do a work in your life and you were persistent in that prayer? In James, we read that, 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 that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Sorry, I memorized that in the KJV. But um, that, that is the idea here, that, that, that we would pray with persistence that we would pray with passion, that we would pray with conviction and clarity. Like, like some of our prayers are so vague, we don't know if God answered our prayers or not. There's power in there in prayer. And it is the power that rose Christ from the dead that you and I have access to now. That, that, that when, when Christ died on the cross, it says the curtain, the, the veil in the temple was torn in two, giving every single person unlimited, unhindered access to the most holy God, all-powerful creator God of the universe, that we now have access to him through the blood of Jesus. And when is the last time you prayed? And here's the thing, some of you, I know, You've been praying for something for years. You have been persistent in that prayer. And you've begged God. And you feel like God's not answering. And I don't know why. I, I, can't, I can't sit up here and give you a, hey, here's why that's not working. But I just want to just encourage you to keep praying. Keep believing that God is able to do far more abundantly than all you ask or think. Pray with power. Pray with power. And so, if we're going to recalibrate our faith, these are the four things we have to remember this year. We have to remember the source of our faith. We have to remember. We have to remember who the real enemy is. 
We have to remember that we have been given everything in Christ to stand firm in our faith. And we have to remember that prayer is powerful. So as the band comes up, here's what I want to ask you, a few questions. What does all this really matter? Why is recalibrating our faith? Why, why, does, this, why does this matter? Why, why should you care? What, what's the big deal? And the big deal is this, that I believe that God has an, Jesus promises that we can have an abundant life in him, and yet many of us are living woefully short of that abundant life. And I believe that for, for, for many of us, it's because we've paused our faith. Our view and understanding of Jesus and God has been warped because our faith has been on pause for way too long now. And here's what I want to ask us to do. I want us to just say, hey, I am ready to take my faith off pause. I am ready to, 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 to re-engage and reactivate this faith. Because God wants to do something in your life and through your life, but it can't happen with your faith on pause. So here's, here's what I think. For some of you, I think, I, think, I think for some of you today, I, I think it goes back to what we said at the very beginning. For some of you today, you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today. You need to pray and ask for God to save you. For others, I think you need to take that next step in your faith journey. The, uh, I'm just telling you, the baptism is still warm. That you can take this next step and just say, hey, I'm all in with Jesus today. I want the world to know that I have given my life to Jesus. And if that's you, when we start singing, go to the back of the room. We'll get you set up. Maybe, maybe for you, this, this, this could radically change some of the relationships in your life, the way you relate to, to your kids, the way you relate to your spouse, the way you relate to your coworkers or your boss. I mean, can, can you imagine what this would look like in your life if you lived every day all in for Jesus? If you remembered that, that when your boss is being a jerk, and when your, your kid is driving you crazy, when things aren't going well at home or wherever you are, and you would remember that this person is not my enemy and I need to move towards them in love. Imagine how that would impact your relationships. And so if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, here's, here's what I'm gonna do. You, with nobody looking around but me, here's what I just want to do. If you, if you want to, today, begin a relationship with Jesus, you've never put your faith in him for salvation, and that's you too. You want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want you to meet someone. There's, my, I'm going to have a friend standing at the back. I'm going to go to the back, and I want you to come meet us, and we'll get you connected, and we want to have a conversation with how you can begin a relationship with Jesus today. 
If you're in the room and you want to get baptized, when the song starts, you get up and you go to the back and we'll get you some clothes to change into and we'll get you dunked and, and, and proclaim to the world that you've decided to follow Jesus. If you're here today and your faith has been on pause and you're ready to take it off pause, you're ready to re-engage and reactivate your faith today. Here's what I want to do right now with nobody looking around but me. If that's you and you say, hey, I, my faith has been on pause and I'm ready to be engaged again. If that's you, I, I just, I'm not gonna come to you. I just want to pray over you. If that's you, would you just put your hand in the air? You wanna reactivate your faith today. You wanna take it off pause. Yeah, I see your hand. I see it, I see it. Yep, yep, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you. Yep. I'm going to pray. If you want to pray with someone, if you want to have a conversation with someone, we're going to be in the back, and I invite you to come talk to us. If not, I invite you to stand and, and just sing your heart out as, as, a, as an offering to the Lord today. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you that, 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 that our faith isn't determined by how good or bad we are, but our faith is determined by your goodness, your righteousness, and your all-in love with us. And so, Jesus, I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that this church would be known as a church of faith, that we would be known as a church of love and grace and kindness where someone can come and truly experience all that you are. pray for the relationships that we would remind each other of the gospel the good news Jesus we want you Lord we want to see you as our greatest treasure the treasure isn't heaven the treasure isn't anything else the treasure is you Jesus and I, I just I pray that our hearts would yearn hard after you we want to see you move. We want to see you work, and we ask for you to begin right here, right now with us. May we respond with courage and boldness and faith today. We ask all this in your holy name, Jesus.